There's the reality of the ultimate sacrifice. It's so close to home. At our house, he is the known. Everybody, welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast. This is Michael Greco, and uh, my guest this week is uh, Mr. Howard Hoffman. I'm actually just going to read this right from his website because this introduction is, is, is brilliant enough. Howard Hoffman and his multiple personalities have recently been heard uh, on campaigns for Ford, Mattel, White Castle, and Fox TV, Budweiser, REI, and the ABC Radio Network. He has been on many animation and multimedia series, and uh, he will be more than happy to say stuff for you, which I just think is a lovely, lovely intro, and he's a lovely man howard hoffman welcome to that voiceover podcast did i really do all that you do you do wow. that's what it says so right cool. on your, so, so, you sound like you're really popular <laughs> I, I, I say my webmaster well don't i that's fantastic <laughs> no that's that's all true thanks mike good to be with you man thank you uh you know okay so let's just jump right in i want to i want to get you you actually got started in radio correct back in the 70s is that when you you kind of started in this whole process of, of doing voiceover yeah, when I was still in high school, uh, I was, uh, you know, we started a high school radio station where I was, and the faculty advisor of that radio station also happened to be doing weekends on a 250-watt daytime station uh, in Warwick, New York, and he got me a job there, which ended up being afternoon drive and program director for the tidy sum of $83 a week. I didn't realize that I was being program director at the time, but it turned out that I really was because I knew so little about the business. That's a daunting salary to overcome for the rest of your career. That You started well, right yeah, at the, the boss, top there. The, yeah. boss, <laughs> the boss would come in and say, you know, hey, uh, pick the music every week and do this and do that and do that. Yeah, okay, sure, no problem. I was I was running the radio station for him for crying out loud. I didn't even realize it. So it, you you were an on-air jock and, and you were sort of doing the, the radio imaging, which is kind of what I want to talk about today. And radio imaging is, is really more of well exactly what is why don't you explain it to me said i'm explaining it to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> no basically radio imaging is just essentially the stuff that uh, that is not commercial or program content in my case at kabc i'm the production director slash creative services director so i essentially write all the station imaging produce it um farm out the voice to uh, our voice guy ben patrick johnson and uh, i do more of the character stuff and um yeah so it's actually the voice work is actually divided among two people ben patrick johnson of course of uh, of uh, movie trailer fame uh he was the production director here before i was so you know we just kind of kept in a, uh, a relationship with him all this time and uh he does really really good work for us uh mostly mostly the stuff that i write is the station promo uh material the uh, the liners the uh, the promos uh, the little the little uh, scenarios that we make uh, you know, between uh, between the elements, all that stuff, uh, the Dodger promos, and yeah. So, it, how long were you in radio before either you decided or somebody said, "Hey, you should actually try this voiceover thing," or or was it just sort of it just kind of happened over time? Uh, well, you know, the thing is that while I was doing all these radio shows, my my shows were always production heavy. I'd always pre-produce stuff, or I'd actually produce stuff on the fly while a record's playing i'd be producing stuff in the studio getting ready to put something on the air after the record so i was able to you know develop mad production skills during that time 
So it, it really, it, it was, I don't want to say an easy, but it was sort of a, you, you had all this experience in, in reading ad copy and reading it quickly and reading up to post and all this stuff. So when, when someone handed you an audition, you're probably like, oh, I do this every day. Well, you know? <laughs> well yeah, almost, except, you know, the, uh, the difference is they'll do like, you know, 75 seconds worth of copy that they want read in 60 seconds. So, of course, you know, I just naturally developed this habit of reading fast. Well, when I so many years ago, when I decided to do voiceover for a living, it's like everybody stayed away from me because, well, this guy is just this guy just sounds like a disc jockey. He's just like you know, right? He's getting the copy in, but you know, he's reading sixty seconds worth of copy in forty seconds. And I go, oh my god, I I, I got to switch gears here. <laughs> so that's when I started doing all the you know all the training and all the uh, uh, you know lessons to be learned, as it were, when you uh, uh, when you sign up for voiceover classes and just realized all the mistakes that I was making. And uh, was able to kind of kick back and you know do a little bit more, add a little bit more to my repertoire as far as uh, you know reads are concerned. But uh, yeah, so it was, it, but it was kind of a natural progression. A lot of people, of course, in voiceover did come from radio. Is it hard to switch back and forth between the the quicker radio read when you're over at KBC as opposed to when you're when you're sitting reading a, an audition piece and going, oh wait, no, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was. As time has gone on, it's gotten a lot easier. Um, yeah, it only took me 20 years to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you get a, you, you read the copy and you kind of get a good lay of the land as to what they're looking for. Uh, you hope you you have a good lay of the land anyway. And uh, yeah, I'm able to shift gears. That is, you know, that's that's generally not a problem. In fact, uh, quite the opposite. A lot of stuff that I've learned in voiceover, a lot of stuff that I've learned from you know people like Pat Fraley and Susan Blue and uh, and uh, Jenny McSwain, uh, I apply to my work here at the radio station, which translates into into, into funnier and more natural sounding character stuff. Has it has it been um, useful for you be- because you have written and produced spots? Is it? Giving you any other insight and in, in maybe how to audition or maybe what what people are looking for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, you know, one of the skills that I've developed is when I go in to audition for something, like say on a Monday morning, and I look at the copy and I go, "This guy really wanted to get out of the office on Friday." <laughs> right? The guy who wrote this copy just had to get the hell out of the office, and now I'm stuck with this. And there's no payoff to this copy, so let me see what I can do with this. So yeah, I mean, you know, we all, in our in our own way, want to help out, quote unquote, the copywriter. Um, I, I mean, quote unquote, help out the copywriter. I mean, the, the guy is a copywriter. I shouldn't have put that in quotes. I do apologize for that. See, I corrected myself. <laughs> and so you know, it, 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 we could we could kind of see where they want to go with some certain things, and you know, we try to match that vision. And, and this is something we all do. You do it. Everybody does it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you really want to match the the the, uh, the vision of the copywriter and not stray too far away from it. It, it really is a two way street. Everything that I've done here has helped me out in the auditioning and in the booking process. And everything I've learned out there in the auditioning process, I apply here. If I see something in a commercial that I really like. And as time goes on, I find out that they didn't use that. I will kind of reinterpret it and do it here as a promo because, you know, that was a funny gag. That was a really funny gag. I would love to use that. And I don't I don't want to use it if it's actually going to end up on a campaign. But if it doesn't end up on a campaign, what I'll do is I'll rewrite it in my head and just, you know, customize it for for KABC and then, you know, do it from there. And they should be flattered because imitation is a serious form of flattery. So they should be flattered. Well, that's what we say when we don't want to pay them. Exactly. Uh, 
<laughs> That's pretty much how it works. Uh, so radio imaging jobs are are more or less, or, or production designer jobs, are, it's a full, more or less a full-time job for you as well, correct? Right, correct. So, and, and, and in reality, there really aren't many of these jobs available. So this is not, I'm not saying it's a cush gig for you, but it's a nice, it's nice to have a steady work as an actor. I think we all know that. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. There's no argument with that. And uh, I consider myself very fortunate in the fact that number one, that I'm in a situation where they allow me to do what I do. Cause you know, let's face it. A lot of places really have uh, like an intense vision of what they want and they want the person to follow that. And very few places really want you to cut loose, just have fun, and you know make the imaging as fun as possible, no matter what this, you know, no matter what the format is. And I'm, I consider myself to be extremely lucky in the fact that I do work with for a bunch of people who really like what I do and really like that uh, approach. Uh, if I were at any other place, I probably wouldn't be here as long as I have. Was was copywriting uh, something that you had studied as well? Yeah, that came early on in my career when I was uh, when I was working in Middletown, New York, and that station in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I I had to write copy, and one fella, his name is Jim Brownold. He does voiceover in New York City. Uh, he was essentially my mentor in writing copy like that. I think we we all grew up listening to people like you know Alan Sherman and Stan Freeberg and um, and uh, Ernie Kovacs and all these people who took the media and just played with it and just had fun with it and really did the theater of the mind thing. And I think that's that's where I kind of have an advantage uh, in the fact that I did grow up with that stuff. We we used to listen to Gene, for example, we used to listen to Bob and Ray and Gene Shepard every night at dinner time because my dad demanded that we put on WOR and listen to these guys. You know, Gene Shepard was on overnight, but Bob and Ray were on right about dinner time. And I think they were just ingenious. And I said, boy, I would love to do that. And the trouble is, I don't, you know, they worked without a safety net. And I really don't know if I can pull that off as well. It's always easier when you're a team. But at least this way, I can write the stuff, I can produce it and edit out all the screw ups before it actually goes out on the air. And, you know, I come up with a product that I'm kind of proud of. But yeah, I kind of had that sensibility all my life, even before I got out of school. So there you go. Cool. And now, and, and the other the other project you got going on that, that sort of, I'm guessing this is a, a, a very personal project too, the, the greatbigradio.com, which uh, <laughs> according to the website is to entertain and rock the world by providing hit music radio that's fun, energetic, and slightly out of the ordinary, created by people who love radio, uh, singles, and, and playing not that just be, That would hits. be me. That would be you. So it's yeah, all just you. People who love radio. That would be me. <laughs> and it's not, you, you don't really just play the hits. You say you also play songs that didn't necessarily make it into the top 20 but are still great songs. And I, of course, listen to Great Big Radio during the day. I just pop it on and, and listen. Do you – is this well, just a – you're one. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of three, I think. Is, <laughs> Thanks. Is, is, this, uh, is this just sort of something – that's personally that you just want to do or is this is this something that you're doing for fun or for profit or for uh, the eventuality of something else or is this a, something that you just want to do if it works out for profit i'm all for it but the the, the thing is that it, it, it's just kind of like a, a project uh it's a big project that's really gotten out of hand actually i just had to increase uh, the, the the load on my servers because i'm you know I've, i don't know where all these people came from but I'm getting listeners to this thing. And very basically, somebody described it to me as the um, the music that I used to play on the radio mm -hmm. that didn't become hits, and I'm really angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
that these songs need an outlet. These songs need to be heard. So I just combine like all the, you know, all the hits that I can tolerate. I mean, we, we do not play Pretty Woman. No. Probably, and the thing is, that Pretty Woman is probably the best testing, you know, most focus group song. And that's why you hear it every 10 minutes, no matter where you tune into. I don't play that stuff. I don't play the completely burned out stuff. I'll play, you know, I'll play stuff that might be slightly burned out, but still sounds great. Um, but on top of that, yeah, all the this, all this stuff that never really cracked the top 15, everything that, you know, I played maybe for two weeks and then they put on the dustbin and I go, no, don't take that song away. It sounds good. It's adding class to my show. No, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so here I am, like maybe, you know, in some cases, you know, 30, 25, 20 years after the fact, and I'm playing them all on, on my Internet station. And I just want to see the look on on the faces of Vigrass and Osborne when they get a 27-cent check in the mail because <laughs> – because I play some of their stuff that you know nobody nobody touches now. Mostly, it's mostly it's the music that I want to hear on a radio station, processed the way I want to process it. I have it processed specifically to sound like a, a 1970s FM station. I love and, it. And uh, yeah, so and, and the great thing is that now with apps like Wonder Radio and uh, uh, Tuner for the uh, for the iPhone and uh, the the other one is. Uh, Radiolicious. With those, you can actually listen to these radio stations through your telephone's 3G network and hear it in your car. I've been I've been driving around listening to the, to my own radio station, and I go, my God, this is this is unbelievable. And the thing is that I can I can hear this radio station anywhere in America. And it, it, we're at the point now where people can start radio stations in their bedrooms or in their den or in their office and then go out in their car and listen to that radio station. It's a, at this point, you could listen to it all over the world as long as they can log into the radio station and play it anywhere. I mean, you could you, you could be in China and hear yourself. As, you know, as long as I either have a Wi-Fi uh, connection or as long as I have a uh, you know a 3G signal on my cell phone, it's just amazing. The technology is just un unfathomable right now. Just the fact that you can create your own radio station and have it heard worldwide. Ten years ago, they would have said you were. What are you talking about? It's it's certainly changing. It's well, it's it's changing radio. It's changing voiceover. It's changing everything. So it, it it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Well, Howard Hoffman, thank you so much for being our guest on that voiceover podcast. You can uh, catch all of Howard's greatest hits at howardhoffman.com. And please tune in to greatbigradio.com. Howard, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. It was my pleasure.